0: This has the the opportunity for the greatest turnaround in college football exists here today, and it's not one to be taken lightly.
1: Sam
2: Colin Klein under center, takes a knee. That is going to do it. Your Kansas State Wildcats are the Big 12 champions.
1: <laughs>
2: Tremaine Thompson will field it at the 5 to the 10, pass the numbers to the 20, 25, look out, 30. He's at the 40, to the midfield, strike to the 40, down the far sideline, 10, 5, to the house. Wildcat
0: touchdown for Tremaine Thompson. Welcome to Bring on the Podcast. Here's your host, A. Hernali.
1: Hello and welcome to another edition of Bring on the Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Luke Thompson. And here today with us is J.T. Van J.T., how are you doing? I'm doing, how are you doing? well. And our guest today, a friend of the podcast, he does a little work for West by Pot Virginia, and still is an editor for Smoking Musket. It's Bart Keeler. Bart, how are you?
2: Doing great, Luke. Thanks for having me back.
1: Yeah, no problem. So, uh, it's Sunday afternoon. JT and I, at least, enjoyed watching the Chiefs today. The, the <laughs> offense looked great. The defense, uh, not not so great. But I'm sure you, you don't know what that's like, Bart.
2: <laughs> well, uh, as a Falcons fan, yeah, I've never had a defense that was subpar in an offense that was superb. So, uh <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, both games of ours were pretty exciting. I was at Roethlisberger as my starting quarterback in fantasy, but then one of my friends uh, in our league also ha- has uh, Mahomes as his starter. So it was like mm-hmm. kind of a battle going back and forth of which quarterback was going to score the most, most points. I take it Mahomes has um, adjusted well to the NFL lifestyle.
1: Yeah, it seems that way. And I, I just think that the receivers they build around him are, are seem to be a perfect fit. So that's going very well.
0: I must say is a, uh, you know, Obviously, we're all we're all Big Twelve guys now. It's it's nice watching him throw for my team,
1: not <laughs>
0: watching him put up 500 yards against my team.
1: Yeah, for sure. And so looking ahead to this Saturday, West Virginia and K State got a, a favorable time slot, the 2:30 spot. That's nice. I don't know, Bart. Do you, do you expect uh Looking for the fourth straight year of a game decided by less than a touchdown, or does breaking the streak um, and winning one change anything for you last year? So,
2: uh, i got to be honest, I don't know if this game is decided by less than a touchdown. (laughs) Mainly because I just don't know where Kansas State is going to get points from.
1: Mm -hmm. And I know that West Virginia has been pretty good at putting up points
2: this week. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we did have this bye week and and a a fake bye week, if you Um, will. So we'll see how that works. I don't expect the team – actually, I think, if anything, that this will help. Because now we get – you know, essentially we get two bye weeks and another week to – you know, not necessarily prepare for Kansas State, but just prepare and get better at what we were doing, and a little bit of rest. So I think coming out, we'll see a different game plan against Kansas State, where we're our defense, If it, especially on defense, if we can slow, if we can keep Kansas State behind the chains, I think we'll be very successful, and I think that'll lead to a lot of points for West Virginia, to be honest.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think K-State fans are probably hoping that the, the long break affects the rhythm of the offense, at least for a little bit. Because so, I'm not sure that the secondary is going to be able to to do anything. I know JT, uh, of course, I'm sure you remember, there were quite a few passes that uh, could have been touchdowns, had Nick Fitzgerald thrown them on target um, in the Mississippi State game. And it just, right. it just seems like those are the passes that Will Greer is not going to miss consistently like that. Uh, in fact, I, I thought it was interesting during the UTSA game, they noted at one point that I think K-State, they were saying K-State's quarterbacks had the fourth worst completion percentage in the country. And one of the teams that was worst was actually Mississippi State. So, uh, but, but West Virginia kind of a, kind of a different look. So, would uh, you expect the, them to try to exploit those, uh, the deep threats and the, those vulnerabilities? Well, Bart?
2: Yeah. I think we've proven, uh, a lot this year that we're not afraid to get on the field. But honestly, where we've been most effective is those 15 to 20 yard completions where you just you know you're not it's not necessarily a big explosive play but it's just eating up chunks of yards as you go down the Mm -hmm. field and I I think Kansas State will give us some of that on Saturday
1: Mm -hmm. definitely and last year you grew through for 372 yards four touchdowns but he also helped keep K-State in the game a little bit with with a couple interceptions do you think he'll be kind enough to do that again well he very
2: well but I got to be honest, the only knock I'll have on Will Greer is he does have a tendency to kind of Brett Favre it a little bit. Um, <laughs> and he, he very much loves to run around and try to make plays happen. And I think, honestly, I think the, the way he could win the Heisman, and I'll throw that out there, you know, I think one of the ways he could win the Heisman is learning that it's okay to throw the ball away and live another down. Specifically against Tennessee, we left some points on the board at the end of the first half. We the ball back with like a minute I think left and we had decent field position so we were trying to drive down and score at the end of the half and on two consecutive plays he kind of scrambled too much and one almost led to an interception the other one he ran out of bounds with five seconds left and you know and totally he maybe wasted about 20 seconds of game clock and it was one of those frustrating things where you kind of want him to just slow down you know okay no one's open move out of the pocket still no one open throw the ball away and we've got 10 seconds more in the game that you can try to score again. And what he's also had a problem with that is he'll run around and try to make throws and and it doesn't always end well. So he needs to learn to settle down in the pocket and, and trust that it's okay to just throw the ball away. You know, no one's going to be like, wow, he threw, you know, that was an incomplete pass on the stat line, but no one's going to be upset that he just throws the ball away. And we have another opportunity to, to, you know, hopefully, score or, or get a bigger play the next play, because I think he's always looking for that killer instinct, that killer uh, shot, and he needs to just settle down. But when he does, if Kansas State can contain that uh, the receivers, then they'll be able to force a turnover or two from Will
1: Greer. Okay. Yeah. So, of course, the key there is case State will have to be able to apply some pressure too, <laughs> which they haven't necessarily done, but, you know, maybe. But, yeah, and then West Virginia and you've got three quality receivers coming back with, with Jennings and Sills and, and Sims. I mean, that's probably enough, but I, there, there's also some new guys out there. You know, Who else should KSA fans be aware of on Saturday? Yeah,
2: I think the you mentioned obviously Sills and Jennings. They're definitely his favorite target and, and probably the two mm-hmm. guys who are going to be the biggest threat, but we've had 11 receivers catch pass this year. Mm-hmm. The one that kind of sprung onto the scene against Youngstown State and we've been waiting for him to have a breakout game is Marcus Sims. He has always been this guy who's I don't want to say an enigma but he's known to have just great speed and if you can get behind a guy or if he can get into open space he's going to burn you and we were able to find him against Youngstown State two Saturdays ago and he's kind of that third option now that Wilker has that is going to be very I think deadly for some teams because while you're focusing on making sure you know sure-handed Jennings and Sills aren't running perfect routes like they do, you've got a, a guy in Marcus Sims who could very easily get him on, on defense. Um, I guess kind of going forward, I would love to personally see more production in the past game out of our running backs. We have three to four depending on how many we actually want to use Saturday. We have about four running backs who are pretty versatile and can catch the ball out of the backfield. Uh, Kennedy McCoy has caught a touchdown in the first game and Though he's kind of been in the doghouse, he has the ability to, when he's lined up as a receiver or coming out of the backfield, make some plays in the passing game. And uh, we've had a couple of uh, nice tight end catches, too. I think that's something that Dana wants to work more into the offense, is actually use a tight end. Novel concept for some college.
1: Coaches, but <laughs> hey, KC had you know, a tight it's end. Kind of, again, that like, evolution of Dana it's really fun. Yeah, KC actually had a tight end catch a pass on Saturday, so. It was a big day. Gee, there you go. <laughs> right. just in the college yeah. game. <laughs> but but I don't know. Hearing about tight ends and running backs, that that worries me a little bit. Cause I don't know about you, JT, but I don't have a lot of faith in our linebackers to be able to cover many tailbacks in the Big 12.
0: Well, Ed, that's very true. I, I I don't have a lot of confidence at the moment. Although I must say they they did look a little better. And, and what I've what I've seen, and, and some of the stats I've looked at, is Justin Hughes got some more playing time replacing Sam Sizelove, and I think getting that little bit of extra speed on the field is really helpful for that defense. You know, those guys may still make a little bit more you know mental mistakes than the senior, but having the speed to recover, uh, as we saw against Mississippi State, is 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 huge. And so if if we can keep that, you know, maybe speed. Those speedier guys on the field and live with maybe one or two breakdowns. I think that'll that'll actually help us quite a bit as it comes to dealing with Big Twelve offenses.
1: Yeah, and also I think to give them credit, they did do a good job in stepping up and in some key situations on, on a fourth down stop or two. So right, that was well, encouraging.
0: My biggest concern is still the defensive line more than the linebackers. I mean, yes, the linebackers have have issues, but. The defensive line isn't giving them any time to make corrections, to make reads. Mm -hmm. You know, losing Will Geary from the center of that line has been nearly catastrophic for this defense so
2: far this year.
1: And and Barth, that brings us to West Virginia. A lot like Kansas State has a veteran, talented offensive line with some very good players. Uh, Ours is, I would say, not really living up to expectations so far. So how about the, the West Virginia group? Well, uh, Wilker has
2: only been sacked twice, which I think is a pretty decent measure of any offensive line work. They, they've done a pretty good job of keeping him upright, and I mentioned, you know, he loves to scramble, and a lot of that is because he has time to get out of the pocket. You know, it's not, oh, it's collapsing necessarily, it's just he, he finds time. One of the things that, I guess, if I were a Kansas State fan, would concern me, and I think this is something that, our again, our line has done well. We've only given up eight tackles for loss all year, and... It doesn't seem to be, to me, that Kansas State has been able to get in the backfield and make plays at all. And that's kind of where I'm wondering is if if Kansas State gets a couple of those, if it's one of those pack mentality of, okay, everyone's going to start feeding as well, or if West Virginia can continue to kind of keep that backfield clean and allow our athletes to get forward momentum, I think that might be one of those weird kind of subplots of the game to see who can... Establish their dominance up front.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good point. You don't want to have to be dealing with the second and six, and then you know third and three every time if, if you know they're picking up positive yards for any play and all that. And so I guess just maybe overall with this Virginia offense, and obviously since Holgerson took over, there's been some really dynamic offenses in Morgantown. But you know, how does this one compare? Uh, the talent they have. Yeah, that's a,
2: you know, it's a a question that is hard to answer because I think the obvious answer to me is going back to the Geno Smith, Tavon Austin days because you not only had, you know, Geno and Tavon and everyone wants to talk about Greer and Sills, but, you know, you had a lot of other players on on the offense that were able to make plays. We had a pretty good running back pool in 11 and 12, and I think we've got a really good running back pool this year. So I would say that it's on par with that team. But I think this, the, the thing that struck me most about this team is that we look methodical. And I think that's a very big difference between most Big 12 offenses. I mean, you watch Oklahoma and they're just going everywhere. You know, like mm-hmm. they're just throwing the ball everywhere, running everywhere. It's really hectic, helter skelter, just trying to create confusion. West Virginia, you know, our, play ca- our, our number of plays per game is down this year, and, and not in a bad way is because we're not getting up to the line of scrimmage immediately. You know, we're, we're taking time to settle in. So I think the stats may not be, you know, we're not going to see Will Greer probably have one of those Geno Smith days where he throws for like 7,000 yards. But he's going to be very efficient. And I think that's the best way to describe this offense, is it's methodical and it's efficient. And I think that's something that Dana, again, we talk about, I always talk about this evolution of Dana Horgerson and how he's gone from being an offensive coordinator, coaching a team, to being a head coach, and I think he's understood that tempo is great. We're still using tempo, but you don't want to get so far ahead of yourself that you're not able to control your your own players, and I think we are much more in control team this okay.
1: year. Well, that's interesting. You work, use words like methodical and efficient, and you talk about running the play clock down. That sounds kind of like the K-State offense, isn't it, Dana? Maybe. I'm, not, I'm not saying we're doing that. Right, right, but just <laughs> trending more in that direction, maybe. Yeah, I
2: don't think, that, I think when you look at this game and, and, you know, you can look at betting lines
1: and everything, I don't think this is going to be a
2: particularly high scoring game. I think West Virginia will get its fair share of touchdowns, but mm-hmm. I just don't think either team is running enough plays to really generate that much to offense. And I don't, you know, we scored 50, we got in the 50s against Youngtown State, but, you know, you expect to do that. And we left points on the board against Tennessee as well, but I, I will say I think this Kansas State team should be, and I, from what I've seen, they, they,
1: historically have been able to be a more complete team, despite what has been shown the first you know three weeks of the season. Yeah. And, you know, um, so West Virginia, you're probably going to put up some points. Uh, but Kansas State uh, showed a little bit yesterday, at least, that they, they can do that as well. Tyler Thompson threw the ball really well. And, and, and JT, I wonder, uh, how much do you buy into the theory that moving Colin Klein up into the press box to call play rather than Andre Coleman makes a difference in the offense?
0: I think that has made all the difference in the world. Colin Klein knows how to call plays. He obviously was a great quarterback, but if you look at it, he was basically the only quarterback here in in Snyder 2.0 that's been allowed to call plays and reads at the line without any checks to the sideline. I mean, Snyder had absolute trust in him to call plays. He knows the Snyder playbook. Even when he got to Northern Iowa, you know, those first few games, you know, he was, you know, a new coach. And so he didn't call plays, but, but by the end of the season, the offensive coordinator had gone to the head coach and said, this guy needs to be calling plays. He knows what he's doing. And so Colin finished the season at Northern Iowa calling plays for them in his first year coaching. So uh, he he sees the field differently than a lot of people. He knows, he can see what those linebackers are doing. He can see that, you know, all 22 in his head and figure out the plays real fast. And, you know, you love Coleman. He's a great coach, but I think he's more of a, you know, a player's coach, getting those Mm -hmm. guys coached up on the sidelines. You need to let him do that. And you need to let Colin call plays from the booth. I think that's the key to... K State's offensive success going forward.
1: Yeah, so maybe give Coleman some credit for the receivers you know, catching the ball better yesterday running running better routes.
0: Absolutely, and that's that's what I mean. Like coaching those guys up on the field, like, hey, you're you're dogging it here, you know. Hey, if, if you don't run that route a little better, you know, Thompson would have got you on that pass, or you know, those kind of things. Instead of having to worry about. Trying to call plays and read defenses—that's not something Coleman's ever done, had to do in his career. He's been a wide receivers coach. He's been a wide receiver. You know, you don't have to necessarily read the whole defense. You just have to read part of the defense. Mm-hmm.
1: And I thought Sky looked a little more Colin Klein-esque, if you will, as far as his reading the defense. You know, on some of those runs, he, he waited for the holes to open up and then really sprinted through. And then, of course, the the great fake that he had on the read option that turned into a, to a touchdown. And, you know, Drew has pointed out in his film studies that, that there's been some struggles with that. Uh, so that was encouraging to see. Um, hopefully it was definitely
0: thing. great seeing him actually take on the read. Right. Because that's something we've we've talked about, like you said, for the first two games here. He's, and maybe that's been designed, you know, just handoffs, showing mm-hmm. kind of a
1: fake read. Mm-hmm. But he actually taking the ball on a read and he scores a touchdown. Who'd have thunk it? Yeah. That being said, um, Bart, I, I imagine we can't expect the West Virginia linebackers to bite on the fakes that that badly. That that seems like a pretty strong group on your side. Yeah, uh, I don't think we've really faced a team who who we expect that kind of RPO style to actually have the quarterback run. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: Tennessee tried it a few times, and it wasn't super successful, but, you know, where the quarterback actually kept the ball. I, mm-hmm. I think the key for us is just keeping it in front of – the keeping the linebackers, you know, kind of keep it in front of you and make sure that even if you are – even if they do hand off to the running back, you're still covering your spot because, I mean, as I've seen so many times when we play Kansas State, it's, it's one – one time, all you have to do is not keep your lane or not keep your assignment, and then they've sprung you know a twenty yard gain, and now all of a sudden they flip the field on you. So I'm more concerned because it looks like, as you said, Thompson maybe looked a little bit. You know, Colin Klein asked where he was mm. making smart decisions, and I think for him that'll be the key because I think we'll have opportunities for
1: you to get pretty decent run plays and and the, the quarterback keeper. Yeah. And, and for all the, the good design runs he had and the good throws while he was in the pocket, I, I still get worried about when he is pressured. So how aggressive do you think yeah. West Virginia will be?
2: Well, that was one thing that I kind of wrote down in my notes of, like, he's the victory <laughs> is, is make him have to think, right? It's really easy when you get into these types of offenses where it's, okay, you read this one defender, if they do that, then I do this. And you know, with, with our three three five, it's going to be a little bit different. We might even play kind of more of a four two five with our linebacker depth not being where it needs to be, but it'll be different, and I'm wondering very much how he's going to read an unorthodox defense like ours, and especially a defense who, I mean, Tony mm-hmm. Gibson loves to call mm-hmm. blitzes. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what he loves to do. Um, he really trusts our defensive backs, and he always has. He's trusted his defensive backs to make plays, and... You know, I don't know if Kansas State has a wide receiver that scares me all that much, to be honest. So I think for Gibby, he's probably thinking, okay, great, I can get after this quarterback. And like I said, I mean, we've had 21 tackles for loss this year, and I expect the, the boys to be ready to do the same again on Saturday.
1: And JT, on the flip side of that, you know, what can K State coaches do to prepare Skyler for, for that?
0: Well, I just a lot of film session with Colin Klein. I mean, he. He picked apart that same West Virginia defense, basically, in mm-hmm. 2012. They've been running that 3-3-5 forever, at least since overson has been there. And yeah, just having that extra, having all the, the, the first-team snaps, you know, just keeping up what they've been doing, making sure that, you know, Skyler knows he's the guy. He seems to be a lot more comfortable when he's not looking over his shoulder. Even that thought that, hey, I might get pulled if, if I have a bad series, you know, if they can keep that out of his head, then... Then that should help him out quite a bit. Besides just, you know, figuring out what the West Virginia defense is doing.
1: Yeah, and it seems like for sure I think the K State running game needs to be a little more successful than it was yesterday. And uh, it seems like that that might be possible against West Virginia. They haven't necessarily been dominant. I don't know what what is that front seven like against the run, but. Well. So the front safe. four
2: yeah. are actually pretty decent against the run um, is when you can break past that. So that's kind of been an issue. I mean, it always has been an issue for Gibby and this defense is that we can put pressure up the middle. Surprisingly, with the three, three, with the three down line and um, sometimes four when you include that linebacker sneaking up, but we've been able to get pressure and, and get into the backfield and disrupt plays. But when you can get past that line of scrimmage, there's not a whole lot of help behind us because our linebackers are Either blitzing or into coverage, and in our, and our, like I said, our defensive backs are a lot of times in a man or uh, kind of a really soft-shelled zone. So there's space once you get past the line of scrimmage. So that's kind of my concern is Kansas State being a slightly more physical team, able to, you know, hopefully execute their blocking schemes a little bit better. What our defense is able to do once they do break through the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I think something else going.
0: Kind of back just a little bit here is um, forget that that Skyler Thompson started this game last year against West Virginia. He was he was the quarterback that game. Didn't look great. He threw you know two interceptions, but so he's he's actually had a whole game of experience playing West Virginia in a game that K State lost twenty eight to twenty three. So uh, he's got that you know that whole game experience at least. So it's not just like going in fresh and he's never seen it before.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. And Bart, how scared are you of uh, Kansas State's 5'5 kicker? who uh, has two tackles in the last two weeks, by the way. (laughs) Hey, our kicker's not much taller, so uh, our
2: kicker last year wasn't much taller, so... Look, he, he's fun to watch out there, because you're like, wow, this kid's really playing on a Division One college football team. Yeah. Um, and hey, not doing too bad, so kudos mm-hmm. to him. I, I can't, I will not knock a kid for doing his job fairly well.
1: Yeah, And I love the celebration that they've taken to doing where he jumps up to high-five the holder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good.
2: You gotta play into it. You gotta know, have some fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. <laughs>
1: And so, you know, looking at, uh, looking ahead, we, we've talked a little bit about K-State, how if they could find a way to pull off this upset, then all of a sudden, 3-0 is very much in play, you get some momentum going, crazy things could happen. Uh, but West Virginia has a crazy backloaded schedule, where, I mean, yeah. it, it gotta feel like there's a decent chance of being 7-0 before you get to play Texas, TCU, Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma all in November. Uh, so, I mean, what, what do you think of that? Yeah. Like I was kind of looking at this when the schedule got released, you know, and, and I think we all expected Iowa State
2: to be a little better than what they've shown this year. I still Great. would caution everyone they're two games in
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and haven't really been able to get into their own yet, but yeah, it, um, it, we've had really tough Novembers. Dana Holgerson
1: had struggled in November historically during his time in Martintown, and think this, this this November will be any different to be honest. This is a, a really tough schedule at the end of the season. I mean, to play basically every team that is, you know, that people want to win the Big 12 title at the end of the season
2: is a tall task. But at the same time, you know, you said we could be 7 and 0. I mean, I think if you're 6 and 1, 7 and 0 before you hit there, you're you're looking at a decent season and none of the teams I mean, Oklahoma obviously is super scary, but none of the other teams have really looked like that we can't beat them. But I think we're lucky we get TCU at home. Uh, I would not <laughs> want to go to, yeah.
1: to Fort Worth and go into AM&G
2: Carter needing to win to you know make a Big 12 title game or anything. I just would not like – I would like to be able to have – and I, this is really hopeful, but I would love to have a spot in the Big 12 title game locked up by the time we play Oklahoma that last weekend mm-hmm. in November,
1: mm-hmm. that would be that would be impressive.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I still don't trust us against Oklahoma. We have, they're yeah. the only team that we have <coughs> defeated in in the conference, and, and okay. this year's version isn't any. They're not any more beatable
1: than any team that has that we faced before. Uh, they're scary. Mm-hmm. They gotta be honest. And I mean you got to figure what you're going to go 7 and 0 you're probably talking about a top 10 maybe top 5 team and Will Greer as a Heisman favorite. Okay? So don't don't talk about these things. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah so the, I guess there was one thing though, um in, in Bill C's profile or preview on SB Nation he kind of talked about how West Virginia has basically you know a, a high floor and a you know lowest or you no know, I, I I'm trying to say that there, there's a wide variance uh, on what they could do. Cause yeah. It seems like so many games could be decided by a touchdown or, or less. I mean, what what are expectations among the fan base, and how much uh, how different well, are they?
2: Well, basically, if Dana's not playing on December one, uh, <laughs> I think that everyone wants him fired. Um, okay. Honestly, now, I don't know. Uh, losing that game this week. The only way it will come back to bite us is that if we're, you know, eight and three and, you know, if we weren't undefeated or, one loss and go to a Big 12 title game, win the Big 12. I think a one-loss Big 12 champion is still making the playoffs. You know, I think we, we've proven we're a decent enough conference for that. So a lot of our fans were concerned, oh, my gosh, we lost this game this weekend. This is going to hurt, you know, our chances out a playoff. And I'm, I don't buy that. I think you're 11-1 with a conference title, I think you still get in. <laughs> but, you know, I could be wrong. The playoff committee has done stranger things. Right. I mean, so, yeah. <laughs> West Virginia's
0: already got an SEC pelt you know, <laughs> under their belt. That's, that's so that's, mean, that's that's huge. More than every single Big Twelve victory we're going to have this season, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that, it that's is. That's worth like seven Big Twelve games. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. I mean, even Tennessee, that ever they're going to get rolled in the SEC. But you're like, well, hey, we beat SEC, we beat Tennessee too. So
1: yeah, I mean, yeah and Tennessee has got crazy. that. They've got a serious, They get like Georgia, Alabama, and Auburn in back to back to back weeks. So that's when their their profile will die, still, such as it is.
2: But no, I think I think the goal has been from the start is you need to try to get to 10 wins. I think, obviously, that's a lot more difficult now because of the lost game. I mean, I'm not saying that we're going to beat NC State definitively, but you right. can't say that. But, I mean, you had a chance to be 3 0 before you get into conference play. And it, then at that point you just need to go six and three or seven and two in conference and you're at you're at it. I mean I, there there are two to three losses on our schedule, so I, it wouldn't shock me if we're eight and three or nine and two. It's just I think people will expect a lot out of this without realizing that just because we have a good team this year doesn't mean that there aren't other really good teams in the Big Twelve.
1: Right. I mean yesterday you know Texas and even Kansas had blowout wins so. uh Maybe they're yeah, better they're than we I thought. Think
2: this is the team for the Big 12 now.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Which overreaction, uh, uh, Big 12 overreaction, was your favorite from yesterday? Uh,
1: I mean, I probably the, the Texas over USC. You know, the Texas back again. I, I, I beating a,
2: a mediocre team
1: at yeah. best. With, with a freshman quarterback world. who clearly yeah, right. doesn't know what he's doing yet. Yeah, <laughs>
2: Like, I love when Texas does things that, like, a decent a decent team. I'm not even saying a good team. Like, a team who should make a bowl game,
1: like, you expect them to do that, and now all of a sudden it's, like, the greatest victory ever. Like, oh, we beat USC. Like, you can't yeah. have a number 23
2: team at home. Like, you should do that if you want to make a bowl
1: game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I will say I think the one reaction that was merited was Oklahoma State beating Boise. That was, that was kind of impressive. I think they might be better than we might have originally thought. I don't know. I figure it would be kind of a rebuilding year for them with some of the talent and the skill position that they lost.
2: I was shocked they won in the fact they won convincingly, yeah. and and that's no that's nothing to take away from Oklahoma State. That's just because I thought Boise State was an actually pretty good team, right. and to get that win again, you beat them at home
1: is what you should do. But you looked
2: in control the whole time, yeah. and to me, that's a huge testament to you know maybe Mike Gundy is <laughs> actually a really good football coach.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Did you see though I saw Jake Totter Tr- tweeted out that Gundy was reading out Sass from the podium and gradually realized he was reading them from south- the South Al- Alabama box yeah. floor. <laughs>
0: it was so funny. Gundy, Gundy and, and Holgerson have kind of the same problem. They you know they've had teams with like really good offenses and good quarterbacks
1: mm-hmm.
2: and then
0: they screw one game over there's a, you know, big defensive miscues or something, you know, they just can't get out of their heads for one game or two, and then the season implodes, or you know they just fall short of making the Big 12 title game or, or competing for the Big 12 championship. It's it's very similar to yeah.
1: me. Yeah. But somebody's got to play OU. I mean, somebody's yeah, got to play OU.
2: You know, <laughs> I think, despite losing, I thought TCU looked pretty good. I think they've still got a lot of room to grow, mm-hmm. but it looked pretty darn good against an Ohio State team that mm-hmm. clearly has a really, really good offense.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah we'll uh, see how it goes um but <laughs> I guess <laughs> um, it's probably about time to let you go we'll let you make a prediction first. what do you think of Saturday's game? yeah, I said this isn't gonna be a one touchdown game and and
2: I, again, I just i'm not sure where. Kansas State gets their points from in this game I know you were able to find some offensive success against UTSA but I think everyone who's played UTSA has proven that they
1: can <laughs> offensive success against them so I think this
2: one is like 35 to 21 honestly I think this is going to be a game that we finally look comfortable that's a, a relative term but you know we look like we should win this game uh, against Kansas State
1: yeah i I. Be happy if Case they can keep it close and stay healthy, and then you know maintain some confidence going into the, those winnable games against Texas at home and then at, at Baylor. I don't know about you, JT, but that's kind of where yeah, I'm at.
0: That's about the same. I you know I was thinking maybe like 38-27 somewhere in that you know we're going to lose by two touchdowns, but it's not going to be you're not going to end that game going oh man we just got. You know, steamrolled by somebody else, it's going to be like, well, I think we got beat by a good team, and I think things are going up. So if it's any closer than that, I'll be pleasantly surprised.
1: Mm-hmm. But, Bart, I think this is uh, the one time, first time in a while, maybe, that we can say K State uh, fans are looking more forward to basketball season than West Virginia fans are. <laughs> you
2: know, we're still looking forward to basketball yeah. season. Uh, yeah. We've got the blocking saga Bakanate coming back. So we're looking yeah. forward to that. Yeah.
1: I'm just saying It'll that the hype enough. train is really, really rolling down the tracks right now for Kansas State. Maybe out of control. You know, I've you know, but... seen that, like, on Twitter and, and everything.
2: Like, it's weird. I'm like, we're in September, and all of a sudden I'm seeing things about Kansas State basketball. <laughs> yeah. like, what is
1: this? Yeah, it's, it might end in disaster, but right now it's a lot of fun.
0: I mean, it's uh, <laughs> like 2009 all over again. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah, we'll see. All right, well, I should probably... There you guys go. But Bart, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Of course, I love being on here.
2: Thank you guys, and uh, you know, I I enjoy playing Kansas State because at least the games are, for the most part, they're fun to watch.
1: Yeah. Well, we appreciate that.
0: Thanks, J
2: T.
1: Thanks, Luke. Thanks, Bart. Thank you, J T.